God Ministries proclaims the gospel all over the world with partner churches and volunteers until faith becomes action, allowing God's Holy Spirit to transform people. Gospel of God Ministries wants to raise up an evangelist inside of every healthy church in America. You can find out more about our ministry at gospelgm.com. Hey everybody, welcome to another Truth That Transforms podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Abortion Mill Ministry and Witnessing in the Open Air. We're going to talk about all two today. Hopefully, we'll get these two accomplished. And today, I have a guest, Miss Angela Humphreys, and my lovely wife, Miss Melanie Waltz. Thank you for being on the show, both of you. Thanks, Thanks for, having us. for having us. All right, so before we get into the body of the podcast, I really want to deal, I usually deal with either a cult that had not been addressed from the ministry yet or just something a book of the month or, you know, just a topic that I feel needs to be addressed. Well, this month I'm going to call this a cultural catastrophe. <laughs> this is this is insane, but in the culture that we live in, this is completely normal. So, Miss a Psychiatrist that practices in New York, Miss Aruna Kilahana, I, I, I probably butchered her last name, but anyway, she was invited to speak at Yale's Child Study Center. In the lecture, she said, and I quote, I had fantasies of unloading a revolver into the head of any white person that got in my way, burying their body, wiping my bloody hands as I walked away relatively guiltless with a bounce in my step like I did the world a blank favor. Now, this is happening in our Ivy League school. Where's the outrage? Where's the fury uh, from the media? This is anti-white racism at its finest. Well, that's a horrible word, but this anti-racism and it, it, it's horrible. This is this is evil. This is wicked. Uh, and this is not only happening at Yale. It's happening in other schools all over the world, all over our nation. This is just one that's made major headline news. If you doubt me. If you want to check the sources, uh, there's a young lady named Miss Bray Wiss uh, who has a blog posting. You can find her link at under the podcast in the podcast notes. Uh, she actually posts the PDF of Yale inviting uh, Miss Arana on her on their campus to speak about this topic. Um, the world we're living in, no one can really say this is wrong. Uh, this is the per- politically correct thing to say now these days. This is the the in vogue thing to say. Um, what do you guys think about this? I'll let you one, one go at a time. So something pops into my mind. Like, did she repent after she's like, hey, I feel bad for having this dream and sharing it with all of you. Why does she have a platform in the first place? Like, yeah. she probably has a bigger platform than you. Oh, huge platform. Does she also go around saying... 
you know, we're in this together, love your neighbor. You know what I mean? Like, is she contradicting herself throughout life? So those are just yeah. some things that run well, in my she, mind. She actually, in the audio that Miss Bree has on her blog posting, you can listen to her whole lecture. So you can get her flow of thought. So if you guys think we're, ta- think we're taking her out of context, just go and listen to the whole, the whole lecture. Uh, she says she's gotten rid of 99% of her white friends. So this woman is completely anti-white, uh, anti-white racist, and she is bold about it. Matter of fact, Yale hid this lecture, and she went on Facebook and began began uh, started a group or began to complain until Yale opened this lecture up. But I think the lecture you're going to be listening to was bootlegged, recorded by one of the students, so the audio is not real good. But I think she's trying to pressure Yale into releasing the lecture so that everybody can listen to it because she really genuinely does believe she thinks that white people are the epitome of evil and wickedness. Yeah. You know, the Bible addresses this head on. It, it doesn't beat around the bush. It says murder is sin. Mm-hmm. I mean, bottom line, for you to kill someone in cold blood is to murder them. It's not to protect your home from invasion. This is waiting, as the psalm would say, waiting for someone in cold blood and wanting to kill them. And that just leads us right into our major topic. Oh, before we get to our major topic, I I do want to say, if you guys want to learn of what I think propagating some of this ideology, it's critical race theory. Uh, Critical race theory is a, I don't think it's just an analytical tool, it's so much more so worldview. And it's... uh, putting people in two major categories, the oppressed versus the oppressor. Um, we covered this in season four, episode one. If you want to learn about critical race theory and the woke church movement, uh, Dr. Bodie Bauckham just written a really good book on this called Fault Lines. I'd encourage everyone to read it if they could. Uh, if you want to know more about the Black Lives Matter movement, you can go to season four, episode one. Uh, excuse me, season four, episode 11, and we covered the Black Lives Matter movement. Matter of fact, that was a straw that broke the camel's back for me and why our ministry left Facebook because they kept flagging our content and eventually they flagged this uh, article within 30 minutes. Why are you against Black Lives? (laughs) (laughs) I love Black Lives. Matter of fact, we stand for them uh, out at the local abortion mill. And Angela, you came out for the first time. Melanie's been out for years now. So I, I, did, I do want to talk about abortion clinic ministry from a fresh set of eyes. And I want to encourage our listeners by having you on. If you guys have been listening to our podcast for years and wondering why should I be in this fight? Why should I be a part of what is going on at the abortion mill? Why should we be a part of ending abortion? Uh, hopefully An- Angela is going to give you a fresh set of eyes and why we should be a part uh, trying to end abortion and being a part of abortion clinic ministry. Uh, so I'm going to start with some statements or questions that have been um, pointed toward us because we are doing uh, this abortion clinic ministry. We've had people, the escorts at the clinics before, tell us that we're verbally attacking the women. Uh, we are potentially harming them. And sometimes we're they say that we stand in front of the driveway and try to barricade the driveway so women can't come in. So let's just take those statements one at a time. So did you see us verbally attacking women out at the clinic when you came? No, I did not. So I've only been, I think, two or three times. That, um, my second time was with Melanie. My first time was um, in Drake's Circle. The second time yeah. was, what? what's the address of that other location? Jones Franklin. Jones Franklin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And there, you know, when you arrive on site, the advocates will teach you, uh, especially if you have any questions, they'll say, you know, here's what you can do, here's what you cannot do. So you shouldn't just go out there blindly, right? Mm -hmm, Of course. Uh, Unless you know the rules. So one of the rules is to not stand in that driveway. Yes. um, Because I think it's just a safety issue. People are coming in there erratically. And Um, they they try to drive as close as they can to you at times just to intimidate you. But then in addition, addition, the Drake Circle location, the guy who was kind of teaching me the basics, these were all strangers. I didn't know anybody. Mm -hmm. I just showed up. um, Cold call activists, I guess. (laughs) Um, And the leader over there was like, you can get a federal uh, fine or something. So I don't Mm -hmm. know all those details. Don't want to go down those rabbit holes. But seem like good advice. Don't stand in the driveway. Don't stand in the street. Don't impede any traffic. Yeah, you you can't do that. I didn't see yelling. Um, I know we pleaded with one woman um, who didn't speak English. And Mm -hmm. so we asked her to come back to us, come back here. And she was far, you know, like Mm -hmm. from the Jones Franklin. But we weren't like, you're terrible. What are you doing? You know, we were we were just like, come here and talk to us. And she was receptive. She did come back. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But then do you remember what she said to us? I think she was like she thought we worked at the clinic. And yeah, she, she thought we were like liaisons. We're like, no. Yeah, yeah. Well, Melanie's thinking, I just want to simply read a, a verse of scripture. If well, this is one of the motivations of why we go out, it says in Psalm 127, verse 3 Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like an arrow in the hand of a warrior, so are children of one's youth. So that, that, those two verses show us that children are not a hindrance, they are a gift from God. They're actually to be used as arrows to be launched out into the world to hit their targets in the world. But did you finally think about what she said? I really can't remember what else she said. I mean, we were talking to her, and we had another young girl with us that spoke some Spanish that was talking to her about her baby and her baby's life. And um, I think the woman was kind of trying to deny why she was there. She wasn't. That woman was visibly pregnant yeah she was bringing her friend yeah the woman that she was very pregnant and she was bringing her friend for a pregnancy test and we were trying to talk to her but i don't remember anything did not succeed no no it's okay you don't succeed at every every one but at least she was receptive so you can Mm -hmm. get people to come back if you You are um audible Yep. So, I yeah. mean, if we were there whispering at the street and she's at the entrance, yeah. well, we then, had to be loud to say, please come here and talk to us. And but, that's one of the reasons why we had to go to the Raleigh Police Department about our freedom of speech to be heard. They said that we couldn't use a PA system over 55 decibels. Well, the road behind us is anywhere from 95 to 100 decibels. Hmm. So how can you be heard if you can only use 55 decibels with a road at going 95 to 100 decibels? Yeah. So a lawyer presented our case, and they said that they were no longer going to force that law. And because of that, we were now able to use a PA system because, as you saw, the entrance to the clinic is uh, probably well over 75 yards away from the road and where we can stand pub, uh, right in, in the public right-of-way. So you didn't see verbally attacking the women. Now we've been verbally attacked by the escorts. We <laughs> so um, we're not going to go there. We're supposed to love our neighbors. We love ourselves. Turn the cheek. Look. Wait, the what's way. an escort? Uh, an escort is someone who stands there trying to hinder the work of you communicating with the women as they're going into the clinic. 
Uh, we had Melly. I have a funny story. We had a turnaway, and we actually got the oldest baby. So just a beautiful story. Uh, the mother stopped to talk with Melanie, and the escorts were physically running over to the window. And uh, I was there with a sign, and they couldn't get around the, the me and the sign. And I just told Melanie, I said, just hop in the car. And uh, it was probably it was scary, right? Yeah. <laughs> we didn't know this woman. She didn't know this girl. But praise God, Mel dropped, uh, got in a car with her and drove her over to the Pregnancy Support Center. And She the, drove me. <laughs> she drove you. You didn't drive her. Yes, right. <laughs> yes, it was very, I was like, I can't believe I just got in a car. I don't know this woman. She's talking to the boyfriend. It could have been anyone. Where was she driving? Was she going to follow where I wanted her to take me, take no. her, or was she going to drive me somewhere else? So, But the, but neat the thing, Lord uh, how prevailed. that all worked out was we were able to... Uh, have a Spanish guy talk to the husband, yeah, and then we were able to minister to her, and we we're able to bring her gifts and share the gospel with her. She allowed us in her life for a, probably about a Until year. Until the yeah, baby yeah, was about born. About a year. And then what you'll see is sometimes these women allow you to stay in their life, and then sometimes they'll just disappear. So you just have to to be okay with what God gives, how long He gives it. But uh, that was such a sweet time. Go ahead. Yes, that was a sweet time, and it was something else we did. Is I reached out to someone I knew that had rental properties, and we were able to find her a place to live temporarily sweet. until she got on her feet. You know, just trying to remove those barriers. We actually had a baby shower for her at our church with some different people. Unfortunately, she didn't show up to the baby shower, but we oh, were wow. able to bring all this stuff to her house, her new place that she was renting, and, and help her that way. So it, it was really neat. Actually, I just looked her up on Facebook a couple of days ago oh, wow. and was kind of strolling through her page to see if I could see any pictures of the baby, and mm. she's over two and a half oh, now. Oh, wow. So Praise God. It's been it's that really long. It's really neat. And, and guys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not out at the clinic, you're not going to get to experience this. Um, there are ways to be participating in it, though. You're right. You're not going to experience it firsthand. But Angela and I were talking before we started this that there are ways to help and be involved. You know, she needed baby items. She needed a place to live. Whether it's can someone take her in. Yeah, you, you know, mentioned your pull-out couch. Yeah, here. I have a pull-out couch yeah. right here in our office that we if do. someone needed a place to stay for a time... You know, mm -hmm. they, we need people that are willing to offer up space in their home and take these women in and love on them. We need supplies. They need transportation. They might need a job. So we need those they resources. They might need a meal. Yeah. Just that $5 meal, gift card you yeah. mentioned, yep. too. Yep. yep. Gift cards to go get, you know, take time and go get breakfast around the corner and think about their decision before they make it after talking to us. And did we say prayer? They need prayer. <laughs> yeah, they need prayer, definitely. And our teams need prayer. And it is a hard ministry because you don't see a lot of fruit from it at times. And you go out there and it might be hot, it might be cold, your legs may hurt, you may not talk to anybody, but the Lord is sovereign in Amen. just being fruitful in the ministry mm -hmm. and, and just um, blessing us with encouragement at the least expected time. As yeah, a matter of fact, that story of that save, uh, Melanie just was talking with Scott Smith, I think, a day later or day no, before. I was. That day? We were at the clinic. I was talking to Scott Smith, who's been doing abortion clinic ministry for almost 30 years. And I said, Him and Patty Smith. I have never had a turn away. And I literally turned around from talking to him. And the next car was this young lady. <laughs> and I was like, that is just a little 
little love from the Lord. Amen. Amen. So just review, you didn't see any verbal attacks. You didn't see us potentially harming the women. You didn't see us blocking the driveway. But we've seen all those things from the escorts out at the clinic. Um, the escorts look like Antifa. They're holding umbrellas, trying to hide their identity. <laughs> They're sitting there um, videotaping you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when Melanie and I went to the Jones Franklin one, I think they call it a women's health center, yes. which is totally erroneous. Yeah. Up is health. down and down is up. Yeah, the the women they want to protect, right? Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. go there for my health care. I don't recommend mm-hmm. other women go there either. But mm-hmm. um, Poor little women in the womb. Call up Melanie if you need the couch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, um, we were, they were throwing change at us. Like people driving by were yeah. throwing change and yelling obscenities as they mm-hmm. drove by. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, you really have to stand there in faith. Mm-hmm. Um, Amen. And yeah. I mean, the first time I went, I was crying a lot. But both times I went, I did live streams. Um, the mm-hmm. first time was just very impactful. There was mm-hmm. kind of like a worship rally that showed up. It was the last day of the... 40 days thing. Is that a Catholic ministry? Oh. 40 days. Love Life. Love Life. Yes, sorry. Yeah, so it was the last day of their 40 Saturdays, uh-huh. okay. I guess, at yeah. the clinics. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Love Life. There's some good brothers. And they definitely had amplified sound, but it was literally like a worship service out mm-hmm. there in the center of mm-hmm. that circle. So I'm yeah. glad I got to wit- witness that. But I yeah. was just there to observe pretty much. And oh, Praise God make people aware of this issue yeah yeah so I, I don't want to give you any false ideas about what goes on at the abortion mill as you said as you saw people throw money at you people throw apples at you they'll i've had coffee thrown on me i've had people pull out guns and crowbars but god protects you and, and that doesn't happen every time you go out and no one's ever shot or anything been shot or anything so you trust the lord you go out there you're standing in front of what I call the gates of hell. I mean, it, it is truly the the presence of evil there is, you can almost cut it with a knife. It's, it's so mm-hmm. tangible. But we go and we speak the truth and we love people well. So, Angela, get to your experience. So what was the your first time like out at the abortion? I heard you said you were crying the, the first time. That was my <laughs> second was. time. I was just a mess. I said, Lord, if you don't get me together, what in the world are you going to do with me here? So, but yeah. I forget what brought me there. I think maybe a friend named Brent said, go there, go check it out. You've got to go. Like you, he already knew I was like vocal on social media, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't doing like the only action I had taken was like to do blessings bags. I did like a couple of packing parties prior, like the year prior to the election, I think. And then I got pulled out of it. For some reason, I just got distracted. And so when someone reminded me, you've got to go down there and see what what really happens is kind of traumatizing and i didn't i didn't mean to make it sound scary at all it's yeah i was not scared especially with that support network with you i just i just go back to like what they say happens is like what happens to other people it's not happening to them the women are not restricted to go in there the men and women they're Mm. not being attacked they're not being yelled at it's other people those Mm. people that are standing in the gap defending life or trying to end abortion you know the the narrative is always twisted it seems like but um yeah i just i just like going and trying to figure it out for myself i like the hands-on learning experience mm-hmm. rather than reading the book about it i do have some mm-hmm. books on ending abortion but there's something to be said about putting your feet on like boots yeah. on the ground there yes. and see these you know these fences around these entire buildings and it's wow. like 
people yelling, you know, trying to save lives and, and say, you don't have to do this. You could turn back now. There's people here to help you and, and so yeah. on and so forth. So seeing it firsthand is, is pretty cool. Yeah. I'll have a long way to go, I feel mm-hmm. like. You know, and, <laughs> hey, and, and, hey, going out for the first time and just being there step. and seeing that there's 20, 25 women a day going in there to murder their babies, that's a big step. And yeah. a lot of people just won't go and do that and see. Yeah, and you know the graphic images on the posters? That used mm. to, like I would read in the newspaper that that would be scary for some people, but that actually is the reality of the situation. I heard, um, I don't know if it was like Jeff Durbin or who it was yeah, on Jeff. a podcast, they compared um, the Emmett Till case. So if you remember that teenage boy. It was Vody Bauckham probably. Who, I heard him talk about that. I haven't, I haven't babies heard are, him Babies yet. are still murdered here on that documentary. That's where Vody talks about Yeah. That. So mm-hmm. if we think about the reality of the situation, like, so that Emmett Till was murdered. Yes. His mother demanded that his casket be open. He, his face was mutilated. His body mm. was mutilated. Uh, when the mother had the opportunity to choose closed casket or open, she demanded that it stay open to make an impact across the nation. I believe his picture was put in the paper as well. To, oh, wow effect change yeah um so with the like someone recently got offended when i passed a business card with mutilated baby hands on the back Mm -hmm. and trying to protect her children from that graphic and i was like it's the reality of the situation like i didn't mean to scare anybody but i was like that really is the truth of the matter Mm -hmm. you know what i mean we've tried to sanitize abortion yeah. As yeah. best as we've tried to whitewash this thing in america it really is murder yeah it's it's murder and I, I'll just share a brief story. We were in New Jersey standing out in front of a wash mill there. They do 40 to 45 a day there. It's just a it's a bloodbath. And I was not holding the graphic sign. A Catholic gentleman beside me had a graphic sign. I was holding a sign of a baby in the womb. And I was just simply comparing the two. I said, okay, this is life. This is where your baby's at today, the sign I'm holding. A baby thriving in your womb. This is death. This is what, how your baby's going to end today. And we had a woman come out in tears, and she says, I saw the sign, I heard what you guys were saying, and I just can't do it. And so the graphic signs, they do work. Um, I, I don't hold them personally, but people who do hold them, I can't say anything bad about them because they, they do work because they bring, it's just like Emmett Till, they bring this thing to so you can see it tangibly, and look at it and stare evil right into the in the face. Yeah, um, so. there was controversy with the Twin Towers, too. When people jumped out of the buildings, and that was controversial to put on the front page of the paper, if you guys remember that. Mm. We all observed yeah. what yeah. happened after September 11th. Yeah. Um, so same. Like, there's two different – there's probably a lot more examples of, like, trauma oh, sure. affecting yeah. change. Yeah. There's the, yeah, there's the, in the 60s, the water hose and the German shepherd uh, mm. biting a, a yeah. young black man in that, yeah. Yeah. So this, seen, this, yeah, this is just like sla- the slavery back in in uh, our time in our, in our nation's history. Uh, th- this is something that needs to be addressed just that fervently and just that aggressively. Yeah. So, Millie, can you reflect on your first time at the abortion mill? What was it like for you? Wow, that's well, so I'll, much has happened since I'll, then. I'll, I'll you probably remember my first time. It, it was just I got there. I was just kind of numb. I'm like, whoa, this is going on here. And then the second time I came back, I was in tears, and I sat on the curb, and I remember going, God, 
how can you how can you use me right now? I mean, I'm just I'm a mess. Get me together. So I've learned if I stay in the word and I preach the word and keep my emotions stay ahead of my emotions and let the word of God stay front and center for me, that helps me out at the abortion mill. Uh, and you know, by God's grace, we've been doing it now for over 11 years. But um, that was my first experience. I knew what went on in my mind, but for the first time when I laid my eyes, the first two times when I laid my eyes on it, it was just like somebody put it in 4D. I mean, it just became real. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think the first time I went, I didn't know what to expect. I was really nervous, mm-hmm. um, just scared to do it, nervous. But then when you start seeing these cars pull up, like, I couldn't not say something. You know, yeah. it's like... I had so much I wanted to say, and I will say, I mean, foolishly in the beginning, I thought at times when Tommy was preaching, like, or saying something like, no, let me talk. I'm a woman. I know what to say. <laughs> Listen to me. And I had to learn and pray that, you know, the Lord will use everybody in their own way for each person. Mm-hmm. It may be me. It may be something Tommy says, Angela says, there's a lady there that sings songs in another language and prays, and she might be able to reach someone. You just don't know. And so when we sit there and argue with each other over the way to do it and mm-hmm. what's right and what's wrong, and you should do it this way, I think that's an error. And I had to learn that myself, mm-hmm. that the Lord is working. It has nothing to do with what I'm saying, what you're saying. We are just there being faithful and pray and respect each other and speak when you feel the Lord leading you. And it's all about order. It really is all about order. We don't want to be three voices coming at these people at once. We want to have one voice speaking. And when that one voice is speaking, other people can just get quiet and begin begin to pray. You know, that's one of the biggest things with abortion mill ministry. If you guys want to be trained better with abortion mill ministry, there are many videos out there. Paul Gia has got into abortion now. We do have a curriculum on our website. Uh, just go up, click on classes, and you can click on our abortion mill document, and uh, you can get it to download it as a PDF. And uh, it's me and the leaders here at GGM. We teach through each lesson. So if you want that, just give a donation, and you can download the YouTube links and the PDF. All right, so why does the Christian church need to be a part on a whole of experience something like abortion mill ministry? I think she kind of, Melanie kind of laid out that there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of places to serve, whether it's just being a prayer warrior, sidewalk warrior, you know, financial backer where you're, you know, buying diapers or wipes um, or helping folks get to um, their doctor's appointment. I remember that being a burden like years ago when I was carrying Izzy. I was like definitely in a, f- you know, a worse financial situation. And I was like, okay, I'm supposed to go how often to the doctor? That was a burden driving, you know, from one county into, you know, to the doctor's visits. But there's a lot of work to be done. Long story short, right? Yeah. A lot of back end stuff. So why do you think the ch- church should be motivated to come out to the abortion mill? They need to be motivated to come out to help these women and save babies and be the hands and feet of Jesus, that we're called to do that. And if we're turning a blind eye to that, to the abortion ministry and these women, because it's murder and we don't want to acknowledge it, you know, I think sometimes 
I'm going to get on a tangent. So I was just, I'll pull you off I think TV. sometimes we're afraid to get involved because we might get passionate about something. Yeah. We might really see it for what it is. Lord and we, forbid we get passionate. Yeah. About we might then have to go out there and do that regularly. <laughs> and so we just Very good point. run from it often. And yeah, I mean, I would say something Gospel God Ministries is trying to do with abortion ministry, street preaching, open air proclamation is say, come out, experience yeah. it one time. Boot on the ground. Yeah, come out with us. See, it's not that scary. Angela came out to the abortion clinic. It wasn't that scary. She's still alive. Yeah, yes. but she's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> Angela is crazy now. <laughs> but then Angela came out Friday night with us, and we went to downtown Raleigh and did open-air evangelism. More craziness. Yeah, it was crazy down there, but we survived. <clears throat> it went well. We had good conversations. We had some amazing conversations. I mean, one person that Tommy talked to ended up the next day when Tommy called him to follow up with him, told Tommy that you probably saved my life. Thank you. You um, know, how do you even begin to put that in a category in your mind? That just one conversation, just, I mean, you speaking to a gentleman for five minutes and praying for him and being there for him. And he told me, he says, I was going to do something really bad. He didn't tell me what it was, and I'm going to spend more time talking with him and discipling him, but I pray for him. His name is Louise. But, I mean, how do you even begin to fathom that, that the Lord uses broken clay vessels like us in a conversation on the street corner at 10 o'clock at night? I mean, that's just it's so humbling, that, and you can be a part of that. But I don't want to and, jump ahead, but go ahead. Well, I'm just thinking, like, why— doesn't the church go out? What are we afraid of? I mean, we all have been taught in our churches that we are to do evangelism. We're to share the gospel, to love others. We're to, you know, what is holding us back? I'm really just not sure what it is because it is so easy. I mean, even a caveman can do it. Well, yeah, but a lot of abortions came from the church also. Like, Mm. Um, so I did like care net training as well. Okay. Um, but it was nothing like the sidewalk ministry. So care net, w- w- you just buy the curriculum or whatever yeah. and learn how to talk to your peers in the church. So if they just felt like financially restricted, they can't afford another child, then peers in the church were not intervening and stopping those church families from going to the abortion clinic too. So a lot of businesses come from them as well. Mm-hmm. So Wow. The the territory has totally been muddied. So there's co- forgiveness for everybody. We're all sinners, right? Yeah. The Amen. church is not perfect. Amen, Jesus. Nope, yeah. it's not. I mean, we have had pastors driving the women to the, the abortion so clinic to have. Pastors. Yeah, they're yeah. calling themselves pastors. That's this a is pastor, my pastor. A demon pastor. Yeah. Ugh, but I mean, you're right. There are a lot of women in the church that have had an abortions, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's not segregated. It's not separate. So. We have a voice, and who better than a woman who's experienced this that has hopefully sought the Lord, Mm. Jesus Christ, for repentance and forgiveness, and then now can come alongside these women and help them, encourage them, minister to them. Stop being ashamed, ladies. Well, mm-hmm. you're not judging women, are you? No, we're not judging women. We're saying, I or mean, men. they've been yeah. judged already and hopefully received forgiveness yeah. and grace of Jesus. But I mean, we're not. We're saying we have been in a tough situation. We have, you know, 
these women have made those choices or these men let their girlfriend or wife or whatnot and they know what it feels like. So who better to speak than someone who walked in your shoes and knows what it feels like? Wow. That's so a whole other podcast. Yeah, that's a whole other <laughs> podcast. You're right. You're right. And we probably do need to do another one on that topic. But how has this motivated you, Angela and Melanie, to be bolder in your faith for the voiceless and bolder in your faith in general? Just coming out to the clinic, experience what you experience. What you experience. Um, yeah, so I don't have all the poetic words. You don't have to. <laughs> nope. Um, but I, I think what Melanie was saying earlier, like, yeah, it, it does pull you in like it i it i definitely feel like drawn in to do something um <clears throat> and i feel like i was already involved in a lot of action before but it was just political action mm. that was for the wrong reasons like well. you know focusing on the presidential election or the county commission race or raleigh city council it's just um a tangent like it's not mm -hmm. fruitful it seems like it's mm. nice to have a platform in some of those places like i've of course i think it's definitely nice to go there for those three minutes and voice your opinion but um taking the focus and putting the focus back on you know the church and god and righteousness is important so the election was not important mm. uh, but a lot of people thought it was the federal election you know who the president is that's the most disconnected person from us mm. yeah. you know we need to get it's back to true. local and so yeah. those local clinics those what do you call them abortion mills abortion mills yeah those yeah they're not really health clinics no i can't no. call them health clinics anymore but getting back to local is very important and we have lost our way kind of in well, in that regard, it's easier to send money overseas, over here to orphanages or this or that. It's easier to feel like you're doing your part because you are giving towards a good ministry. But there are people right here hurting and need help. So if you are physically able, then why not come out? Why not stand and pray? You know, we had... Someone come out and they were just so fearful and thought like, oh, you're going to make me talk to somebody. You're going to make me do something. No, we're not. We just say, come out and see. Because like Angela, like me, like Tommy and so many others, when you go out and see the reality of what is going on, you think, how can I not come out? Yeah, because people have forgotten how to blush. They really have. Their heads are like, like Jeremiah said, their, their foreheads are like flint. And, you know, what would make a woman blush 10 years ago won't make a woman blush now. Well, I mean, cause, It's my body, my choice. I can do whatever I want. So how dare you tell me what to do? Correct, right? That That's the theme of the day. So we're intolerant to you. They're intolerant. To, others are intolerant to us because we're telling them what to do, which we're actually offering them another option. Yeah. But we're the intolerant ones. It's their body, their choice. Everybody can do what they want, and that's what we're living in and where our society has gone. And it's actually, going back to what we were talking about, you know, it's just a scary day and age to raise a family, mm. to think about our children, having children, and what what is this going to look like in another 10 or 20 years? And these professors teaching this, yeah. you mean, know, this do we send our kids to college as yeah. Christians? I mean, we are to be salt and light, but it's gotten so dark that it's hard to be salt and light 
and we have to take a stand and start pushing back. Basically, it's time for the church to stand up. Yes. It, it really is. Uh, we've been ashamed for too long, and it's nothing to be ashamed of. We have the truth. So we can relax <laughs> and get out there and share the truth because it's objective. It doesn't change. It doesn't shift like the popular opinion that may shift in five or ten months or a year from now. It may be the next thing. Maybe, you know, carrying your pet and marrying your pet. Who knows what the next cool <laughs> thing's going to be? Uh, I'm sure you can. I know you can. Um, so thank you for sharing how it motivated you to get out and share your faith more. You know, now what we want to talk about talk briefly about is the difference between the pro-life movement, and this is something that the Lord has been slowly lifting the veil from my eyes that I beginning, began to see about a year ago with a, well, probably two years ago, with the making of a movie, uh, Babies Are Murdered Here, and that was the first documentary put out. Then the second documentary came out, Babies Are Still Murdered Here, which gave more content of behind-the-scene footage of interviews from the pro-life movement. And if you go and watch Babies Are Still Murdered Here, go on to YouTube and just type that in. Babies Are Still Murdered Here. You'll have a link in the show notes you as well. You will have the link in the show notes as well. Thank you. Thank you. We'll make <laughs> plug, sure that plug. happens. <laughs> we'll make sure that happens. Um, but we'll see, you'll see that the pro-life movement, they have a lot of skin in the game with passing these incremental laws. And they don't really want those laws to be touched or messed with. So when you have a Christian standing and going, no, we want to get rid of abortion at conception, you now have the pro-life people come in that stand against a bill that could potentially abolish abortion if passed. I mean, when you first saw it, how did that make you feel? What the, I mean, both of you speak to that. I mean, what do you think about this? Um. So I hadn't given any funding to those organizations yet, but I had, like, gathered with, like, NC Right to Life. But the national group, uh, what was it, National Right Right to Life Life. was mentioned. Um, So I think I would feel remorseful if, uh, so National Right to Life was a big problem. The the vice president of that organization was um, talked about in that documentary you mentioned, Tommy. Mm -hmm. And um, it's like, it just going back to, like you said, the the veil has been lifted. So once you start paying attention closely to this issue, you just become more in tune to the issue and the problems. Like, um, first of all, judges created law. That's not how, that's not what the judiciary is for. In 1973, like their opinion became law. That's (laughs) what happened to states' rights, you know? (laughs) So some of my political involvement can help me like, yeah, that is helpful. Problem dilemmas that we have, yeah. But um, we just we have to be more in tune. So yeah, we need to be careful about what we are funding and what we're not funding, and action we're taking versus action we're not taking. Um, and having that local impact, saving that one life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not every day, it's not every encounter, but when it happens, it's it's amazing. I imagine it's awesome. It's I haven't really experienced awesome. that yet. <laughs> it's amazing. And really? I think that the biggest thing to come to terms with, one of the biggest things, is being able to say that it's murder. I mean, when, when you look at it from the biblical perspective, taking a child in the womb, regardless of what age they are, whether they're one second or whether they're 16 weeks or fully full term, or whether you're a 50-year-old being murdered in cold blood in your bedroom, it's murder. And I think that was the biggest step for me to begin to look at 
the pro-life movement and national right to life and really looking at they are honestly a money machine and they don't want their money to be taken away because if uh, abortion is eradicated what's going to happen to their organization right and and i hate to say it that way but if you begin to look into the the nuts and bolts of what goes on and why they oppose we there have been bills that could have potentially abolished abortion in north carolina and south carolina in out west in arizona uh and at um i know in arizona uh national right to life opposed that bill very clearly yeah and we're trying to go ahead yeah i was just gonna say in the end like oh it's angela tommy and melanie they're just going off on a tangent but if you watch these documentaries and these links that we'll have in the show notes you'll see that it's not just like what what are we afraid of why are you afraid to watch that why are you afraid to Mm. face the reality of what's going on you're afraid god might call you to do something hard yeah. Like stand up or go regularly or, you know, you're going to look like a weirdo or, you know what, it's time <laughs> for us to stand up. I think that's where we're at in the day and age. I, I really honestly don't get that involved in all of the political and everything that's going on. But like Tommy said, and I think Angela would agree, too, that right now the Christians, it's like the rubber hits the road, the boots on the ground. Like we are being called to stand up to action to finally say enough is enough and i think that's where we're at with the way everything is going there's a great divide right now and it's time for christians to stand up we have an opportunity right because everybody can stand up for what they believe in and have a voice and Mm. so let's do it why not amen amen do you can you speak about the lesser magistrates Oh, sure. Where uh, someone can interpose, right? And yeah. That's one solution that the states could take now. Yeah, it's the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. That actually comes from Scripture. You see it with, with Jeremiah. Um, Jeremiah's friends interposing on behalf of Jeremiah and went to the king and said, you know, we need to get Jeremiah out of this pit. If we don't, he's going to die. So the king said, yeah, go ahead and get him out. So they went and they let, let down a rope, put put clothes under his arms and pulled him out of the pit. So his friends interposed for him. So we, if the child does not have a voice, their parents and parents have turned against them, we are obligated from the Constitution to interpose for them on, on their behalf because they have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. See, when, when we support abortion, we are not upholding the Constitution. And that's a logical step that people have forgotten about. And so the law of the legislative magistrate is calling police, uh, any governing ruler, to stand and to do their part to stand on behalf of the unborn child to pass laws, not to enforce godless laws, but to stand up on behalf of the unborn. And that's the law of the legislative magistrate. Uh, Matthew, I can't think of Matthew's last name, but this book will be in the show notes also, uh, un- uh, unpacks the doctrine of lesser magistrate from Scripture. Oh. Defy Tyrants. Yeah, Defy Tyrants. Uh, yeah, he, that's his website, but he has a book yeah. that he's written on this. Yeah, I like um, his talks. Yeah. So, yeah, that's one solution. So, like when the law enforcement officer shows up and tells you to turn your decibels down, yeah. ma- makes up <laughs> rolls as he goes, you yeah, know? Yeah, just know you have the right to your free speech to yeah. be there and. Uh, how is he going to prove that with that traffic behind you? Or there's more yeah. drastic situations, of course, mm-hmm. like 
I've seen like documentaries where preachers are out there at the clinics and they say you can't be here. And so that Mm -hmm. you need that cop to follow the law, not to say you can't be here. Well, yes, they can be here. They have that first amendment. All that. Yeah, what went on in Charlotte with the Bannon brothers. Yeah, Yeah, they got arrested. Several. They arrested several people people. and said they couldn't be there. They were on the public sidewalk. Yeah, so this is the day and age that we live in, Christian, if you're hearing this. If you're unbeliever, we pray you get saved, repent of your sin, and place your faith in Christ, because you can be forgiven. But for the the believer, this is a call to action, a call to be bold for your faith, not just in your neighborhood, but we need you to be a good neighbor. Don't get us wrong. We need you to share with your family, but we need you in the streets, sharing at the abortion mill, engaging your community, engaging your state, your your city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Any closing comments that we haven't covered? Anything of your experience out sharing the other night, Angela, that you want to share with that somebody would need to hear? Melanie, any comments you have? Did you just say, like, love your neighbor? Yeah. Yeah, so I was listening to John MacArthur on the way over here, and, um, you know, what closer neighbor than in your womb? Yeah. So don't forget your womb, right? Amen. It's not a parasite. Yeah. You know, wow. a tick is a parasite. A leech is a parasite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, a small, undeveloped human being is not a parasite. You know, they, they're they just a smaller version mm-hmm. of, you know, their mother and their father. And you're right. Abortion is murder. We need to wrap our heads around that. I mean, if you walked in the hospital the day you gave that person gave birth and murdered their baby, that would be murder. But what there was a couple hours in between when it was okay to do it and when it's not okay to do it. Where is the sanity in that whole thought process? There is no sanity in that. Exactly. And, and well, in New York. Oh, go ahead. No, in New York, you can almost <laughs> do a full abortion. Full term. Yep, full term. Oh, yes. More, Infanticide. In, in 2019, there were more African American children killed in the womb in New York. They were born alive. Right. The the womb should not be the most dangerous place for a baby to live. It should be one of the safest places for a baby to live, right? You would think. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know what's happening in this day and age. (laughs) we, We need gospel witness. We need the light of the gospel to penetrate this dark, dark culture. So in review, we... Yep, you got one more thing. Go ahead. I was just going to say, if I haven't made it clear already, I'm happy to go out to the abortion mill with anyone, um, meet you there, drive you there, grab lunch, grab coffee. Angela and I did that. Um, Tommy and I will meet you. You know, whatever. We want more people out there and experience it and seeing what it's like. So, so this is your personal invitation. If you want to come... You know, contact us, contact Melanie, contact myself. We'll have my email address that you can contact us on the show notes. Yeah. How easy was, I mean, did I make it pretty easy for you to go out? Yeah, I think it was. um, Was I overbearing or? It it was easier for me to go knowing like I had an ally there and um, I didn't, I didn't have all the tools. I didn't know all the right things to say. Um, you know, you stopped and talked to a car of like three generations, mm-hmm. um, grandma, mother, and the child was wow. in the back seat. And I was mm-hmm. like, just laying your eyes on, you know, a- activity like that. You know, we also didn't touch on the shredded truck. Remember, there's yes. biohazard <clears throat> stickers all over the shredded truck that showed up there. So there's, 
you, you that's the hearse. That's where they put the babies and oh, drive yeah. them over the whole, whole river and burn them in the crematorium. And you were able to explain that stuff yeah, to me. Like that you wouldn't if you went out alone. Yeah, I would say, yeah. okay, they're shredding paperwork. Yeah. No, no, the guy not. was like, <laughs> the guy literally pulled in and turned his giant truck around, backed it up so you couldn't see like what was inside the truck. But and you could also see him unloading large boxes with biohazard stickers on. Yeah. Hmm, pa- paper biohazard. isn't a biohazard. <laughs> yeah. Those yeah. are babies' bodies. And then like a week later, I had gone to an appointment or something. I had broken bones, so I was yeah. like doing a follow-up visit. And I had passed a shredded truck. It had no biohazard stickers oh, on yeah. it. So I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, they're makes... doing paper and they're doing other It's dirty so days. deceptive, isn't it? I mean, if they're not ashamed of what they're doing, why is it so deceptive? Why does the abortion doctor come around back or take a lift, different ride each time he comes? You know? mm-hmm. And they'll say, because he fears for his life because you guys are crazy and you made him scared and he has to do this. No, we have not threatened him. It's because what you're doing is evil and wicked, and wickedness lives in darkness. Yep. And what about the best friend, too, before we go? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, this was just <laughs> if at I was the your clinic. best friend, I'm not trying to drive you to the abortion clinic. Yeah, all this, uh, she's so supportive and yelling at us because her friend's in there, and she's just being a good friend and taking their friend there to help her get rid of her problem. If you were really a good friend, you'd stand beside her and help her see that there's options and that her baby deserves life. Because now you're going to have to walk alongside your best friend. Hopefully you'll stand by her through the depression, the darkness, Mm. the crying, the can't get out of bed, and just the sadness that's going to take over and always be part of her life forever. Yeah, there is a theme of, like, misplaced anger. That that bestie had choice words Mm -hmm. for us on, on the sidewalk. And um, gestures as mm-hmm. well, and then um, fragrance was wafting yeah, oh, out of her car as well, relaxing herself while the, she was waiting oh, to wow. the tune of marijuana. Yeah, yes. So mm. I mean, we're not we're not there to fight people. We're there to try to save people. So mm-hmm. amen. Saved them spiritually tough. and saved them physically. Yes. yes. Yeah. There's the. Uh, we proceed the physical sa- saving of children with the saving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and. That's what these women need. That's what I was just sharing with Angela and Melanie before we went came on our podcast. We're talking about the objective truth of God's word that we can relax because God's given the truth. Everyone knows it, but they're suppressing it and living these lies. And we're called to come in front and intercept them and to speak the truth so they can be saved. So in review, we covered uh, the cultural catastrophe of anti-white racism out of the mouth of psychiatrist Aruna Kelahana. Uh, she's based out of New York. She spoke at Yale and said basically all white people that get, get in her way need to die, and she'll do the world a blank in favor if she does that. She's fantasized of doing that. Mm-hmm. We talked about abortion clinic ministry. We talked about first-time experiences at the abortion clinic ministry, why the Christian church needs to be involved, what made it? What motivated Angela to be bolder for her faith? Uh, Melly and I relived our first experiences out at the abortion mill, and we talked about open air sharing. And Melanie's got a closing comment. My closing comment is: we're not guilting you into coming out and doing gospel God ministries or what we do. We're just offering you opportunities. I do know that many people are involved in lots of different ministries, and you might have your ministry, but. If you don't have a ministry and you're not doing ministry or you want to do more ministry or you feel called to this, 
we're offering you those opportunities, but we're never here trying to guilt you that you need to be doing our ministry. This is the best ministry. God's called everyone to do ministry, and everyone has lots of opportunities to figure out what the Lord's calling you to, but here's an opportunity if you're looking for one. Yeah, we, we are a ministry. just want to help you share your faith. Like, if you're bashful or I'm scared to share your faith, then one of the key things you can do is just come out and observe. You know, kind of like what you did, Angela, for the first few times. You just kind of, you didn't eavesdrop, but you just came alongside me having a conversation with that Jehovah's Witness lady and um, the other guy, and, and you just listened. And they were completely fine with it because mm-hmm. they're out in, they're out in the sidewalks anyway having a good time on Friday night. So just come and be a part of the experience of listening and how to share your faith better. I think that's one of the key principles, one of the key components behind any ministry like Gospel of God Ministries is we just... My driving motivation is, honestly, that you would forget Tommy Waltz. You would remember the gospel of God, right? You would remember the gospel of God. It's his gospel, not ours. And you would remember how to communicate your, sa- your faith very, very well. And that's our heart's desire. We, we want to help train and teach the people of God, the Christians, how to share their faith in what they believe. Even if it wasn't like a super cool story like my faith? Um, my, Amen. My testimony. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking about two, our two daughters, our two daughters who are, who are born again, and they don't have these miraculous testimonies. Mm-hmm. They've been in a Christian family their whole life. So, I mean, uh, you know, um, so, yeah, and the guy, sound guy just raised his hand. I mean, he's he's been in a Christian family his whole life. And so they don't have these amazing, miraculous testimonies. But let me tell you, if someone got saved, that is miraculous. That is a work You're of God. You're following Jesus Christ. Amen. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. Yes. And before before you go, folks like Amber, like inquiring minds, do you think there's that still hope lady. for them? So Amber was a lady. I posted a picture of her on Facebook. She was um, mm-hmm. debating with Zach, mm-hmm. um, who's a preacher, right? Yes. Who, he's Zach one of our leaders. He was up there mm-hmm. preaching, and she um, was obliterated. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Correct. But she, well, like one of the things she said was... Um, I don't believe in the blankety-blank Bible because you blankety-blanks have rewritten it so many times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, like, thought-provoking things going on when you're, when you're, you same with the abortion clinic, same with mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. you know, open-air ministry. Yep. You're, you're missing large pieces of reality when yeah. you're staying mm-hmm. at home, like yeah. when we're just probably on our screens, right? Yeah. It's easier to stay home and do nothing. Well. Mm-hmm. Wow. But there's hope for people like Amber, yeah. Louise. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I think about I mean, Louise was so intoxicated, I, I actually asked him if he had a ride home. I mean, that's, yeah. that's how drunk he was. And, um, you know, I had, But I was riding in your back seat. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> how were you going to get him you home? You guys yeah. drove me. Yeah. We'd have got him no, home somehow. <laughs> We'd have got him home somehow. We just wanted to make sure he wasn't going to drive himself. Yeah, right. that, that's the key. And you guys were handing out Bibles, too. Yeah, like, we handed out four Bibles that night. So now yeah. the people have the Word of God that they could read themselves. Um, that That's another component of our ministry. We hand out Bibles and tracts. Uh, and we just really want to do life with people and show people we're not these crazy lunatics who are just spouting off these facts from the Bible. We actually want to engage you, answer your questions, and let's go to the Word of God together. All right, that's time for the day. As always, go out and proclaim the gospel to see a life transformed because the truth worth proclaiming is the truth that transforms. Angela, thanks for coming. Melanie, thanks for being here. Yep. All right. Pleasure. We'll see you guys next time. Take Bye-bye. care.